That's classic. We bring you great laughs and a unique behind-the-scenes look at classic television shows and movies. I'm John Cato. I am an actor, voiceover artist, and also bring you an amazing insight as a moderator with over 20 years' experience in the television industry. Fantastic. So uh, what can I say? Very exciting day today. We have uh, none other, other than, uh, I couldn't even say utter, none other than uh, Henry Winkler. Uh, and what, what an honor, a true honor to have him. Obviously, everyone knows him from the past as uh, the Fonz, but all, all the accomplishments he's done all the way through um, his books with uh, Hank Zipser and uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, person. So anyway, we're thrilled to have you. Bob Bergen, of course, is my, my co-host on this, uh, as I like to say, voiceover extraordinaire. And uh, so it's just a, a real thrill. So Henry, thank you very much for being here. You know what? It is my pleasure. Uh, I was, I, I, we don't really know each other, do we, John? No, well, I was we met invited. one time. I'll tell we you met one that. time. And yeah. now, and here we are together on screen. I was invited by Bob. And yes. as soon as I saw Bob's name, I thought, you know what? I've got to do this. I've got to chat with these guys. And I'm so happy to be here. Well, I have well, to, I have to, I have, ahead, I have to say, Henry Winkler has a reputation of being like one of the, if not the nicest human being in show business. Henry, you and I have met several times. Yes. First the first time we met, I think, was when you were working on Duck Dodgers with me at right. Warner, which was a Looney Tunes cartoon. And I said to you during a break, I'm going to tell you, I'm starstruck. And you just got that look <laughs> on your face and you just giggled and you just were so sweet and so nice and just shared so much of yourself with me. Cut to the next week. I'm working, our guest that week was Quentin Tarantino. Oh my geez. And Quentin Tarantino comes up to me and says, I just have to tell you, I'm starstruck. And I'm like, it's all relative. It is all, Quentin Tarantino is starstruck with, with Porky Pig. Porky Pig is starstruck <laughs> with Henry Winkler. And that's what makes the world go round. It's great. It really is. And you know what? I really do um, love, for, well, first of all, I get tongue tied when I meet uh, music, uh, musical stars, uh, when I meet um, uh, Sia, or uh, I, I, I met uh, um, uh, Mick Jagger twice, wow. and still haven't gotten a complete sentence out. Right. <laughs> but I really love uh, when I see somebody that I have watched on screen that is so good at mm. what they do. And a lot of times I write a letter because I think that they should know um, that whatever they're, they're thinking in their mind is happening in the world. Can, can I actually, I, I want to take that on a, on a segue, by the way, on your initial audition I, uh, for the Fonz, I had yeah. read that that was kind of your reaction that when you walked into the room that you were like, oh my God, everyone I've seen on television is in this waiting room, right? But that now. really is true. That was at Paramount Studios. It was uh, uh, like a week and a half after I landed uh, uh, in Los Angeles. And I was only going to be here for a month because I was so scared. You know, I, I had $1,000 for making commercials. And if when that ran out, I had to go home. 
What, what was and, it also money from Lords of Flatbush? Is that true? Too? No, I made no money from Lords of Flatbush. Wow. Uh, okay. uh, I I had finished it uh, the night before I got on the plane with Perry King, who was also in the movie. We yeah. were on American Airlines flight number one uh, from New York City to Los Angeles. And uh, I made, I think, $2,000 for the year of the filming of Lords of Flatbush. But I did take the motorcycle, the engineer boots that I bought on 23rd Street in, a, uh, in New York City to wear, because you had to buy your own costume to yeah, be in yeah. the Lords of Flatbush. And I used those boots um, for the Fonz. And now those boots are in an auction that I'm having of my memorabilia uh, December, I, sometime in December at uh, Bonham, uh, Bonham uh, um, uh, Auction wow. House. Auction House, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So let, let's go back. So you're in that waiting room, you walk in. Do you remember like who you see that you're like, oh my gosh. Well, um, uh, I remember that I saw one of the monkeys that I used to watch on television, Wow! right? Uh, and that was crazy. And then all of the actors, uh, Circus Boy was there <coughs> uh, that I used to watch um, uh, on TV, Mickey Dolenz, um, you know, one of the monkeys. Uh, it, it was just everybody I've ever seen on TV in, in my age category. And I was older than most. Remember, I was playing a 17 year old and I was 27 at the time. Yeah, right. Um, and I was so intimidated. And then when I went in that room, this is a great tip for actors. All I did was change my voice and it unlocked my imagination and I could do anything. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting you said that. I mean, that's what I do for a living because I, I change my voice. But um, I studied acting with Bobby Hoffman. <gasps> he was our casting person. I know he was. I know he was. He was and a very Bobby, important person in my life. Bobby Hoffman was wow. a dear. I, I was a tour guide, Henry, at Universal from 82 to 87. And right. all of us studied with Bobby. And, and his class was at Paramount in his office. And Bobby... I would say 90% of his class was advice for actors. And, and he said the same thing wow. that my buddy Brian Cranston says, don't go in there trying to do what you think they want. Now, oh my gosh, I say the same thing. That is exactly right. You're, you're bringing your imagination. What do you got a 50-50 shot? You're either, you know, there is no right, there is no wrong. Just You go for the gold, sorry. Exactly, exactly. by the way, um, we're, we only have limited time, but how awesome is it that you're now playing an acting teacher? Yeah, no television? kidding. And you know what? I, I, honestly, in November, um, for Vulture, um, for their live masterclass series uh, here in, L in L.A., I'm going to hold a masterclass at the Roosevelt Hotel for Vulture. Oh, oh wow. I can't wait. It, it, I taught once uh, for Gary Marshall at Northwestern. I taught when I was making Here Comes the Boom. I taught three classes because we made it in Boston uh, at Emerson, my, my alma mater. Right. I, had, I, I went there three different times. I went to South by Southwest 
and held a class. And I thought, you know what, a few people will show up. I mean, everybody wants to go and see a movie or whatever it is. 600 people came to fill up this hall. And it was, I'm telling you, I was in heaven. And now I'm going to do it at the Roosevelt Hotel in November for Vulture. Uh, now, now is, it's it's fascinating to me that on cable right now, two of the hottest shows, Barry and Kaminsky, have an acting teacher. And yeah, truly, have, amazing. Have, have you and have you and and and, and, and Michael shared notes on? You know what? I saw Michael and his beautiful wife uh, at backstage um, after we had seen Bruce Springsteen, oh. and we talked about it there. And the, and the, I'm still pissed off that I have now met Bruce Springsteen three times at three different concerts and never had the nerve to say, I've got to take a selfie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I Henry, I remember, I mean, by the way, the one time we met, I was at with Thomas Harris and you walked into the uh, into the entryway and you uh, you had. I, I remember this distinctly. You had like a video camera with you, but you, you came. You came. Yeah, always exactly. And you told me that, and and I was sitting there, and and I thought, wow, you know, I was I was just like Bob. I was starstruck when I saw you. I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is this is this is Henry Winkler, and you were like the kindest person I've met in this business, and you were also more interested in me than I could even get words out to be interested in you, and I was so taken by that, and that kindness that you show. So anyway, the one well, thing I remember- Let me just say one thing. Sure, um, go ahead. Know, people have always said, hey, he's the nicest guy in Hollywood or he's one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. Right. Here's the thing. This is the truth. I am grateful. I am grateful that I'm on the earth. I'm grateful that I had a dream and I'm going to be 76 in a week. Wow. And I am still here having the greatest time doing uh, Barry, we're shooting the third season. Yeah. And doing, um, you know, uh, our newest novel is, uh, is just out with Lynn Oliver, the alien superstar. Wow. Holy mackerel. And I get to do a voiceover um, on uh, uh, Monsters at Work. It's awesome. just great though that you have that thankfulness because it show you've had it the whole time. I mean, there there's there's truth there. Bob, I am not trying to invade your space. <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, there, you know what the lovely thing, the lovely thing about this business is because you know, I teach animation voiceover, and what I always tell my students is there's enough work for everybody, but gratitude goes a long way. Yeah. So you know how let, people- let me ask you a question. What is to you? What is the most important thing if, 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 if your students are going to get something from you about voiceover, what is it? The number one thing is hard, but it's called voice acting for a reason. It is acting. Now, I saw, speaking of Pixar, I saw Tom Hanks on, oh gosh, Graham Norton. He's a British talk show host. I know it well. Yeah, and um, he asked Tom Hanks, what was it like doing the first Toy Story? He goes, oh, it's so hard. He said, as an actor, I so rely on that camera. I so rely on a raised eyebrow, a look, my a tear. You have to vocalize 
everything. It has to be right. drawn. And you're here with a microphone and there's a piece of glass and there's a bunch of people over there and they're not pushing the talk back button and they're yelling at each other. And you're thinking, well, right now they're calling Henry Wiggler to replace me because obviously I suck. And all they're doing is or ordering lunch as far as he's concerned. Look, you, you sure. need, it's, you've got to be, you start with the acting. Study acting, improv, improvisation, become a great actor, then study voiceover. But like we were saying earlier, your job is to audition. You will be at your creative best in your home studio auditioning for that voiceover job because once you get the job, they're gonna start peeling off those layers of creativity and telling you what the network wants and the studio wants and this one and that one. And you just have to go with the flow because you're, right. you're an actor for hire. Yeah, you have to learn to just say, yes, I can do that. That's right. And if you, you want to come back next week, if you want to come yeah. back to the next episode. And by the way, um, at the end of that moment, I will say, hey, can I try one just for me? And they never say no. Right. But, uh, but God, Henry, there's so many answers to that question. Actors okay, then let me ask you another question. Hmm. How many voices are inside you? Good question. Uh, a better question, how many characters are inside okay. How many characters have have you brought to life, do you think? I, I don't know, and here's why. Uh, I just recorded uh, an elf for a Christmas thing. It's an elf that sounds like an elf. You know, it's just an elf. But I can guarantee in a few months, someone's going to want to make him a leprechaun. Same, same yeah, voice. Yeah, totally. Totally different character, you know? So, you Yeah, know, but it, you know what? You went from the elf to a, um, uh, a, uh, an accent from another country. You right. know, that not everybody can do that. It took me yeah. a long time to break in because I can't do what you just did. But you have to be a superb actor. You don't have to do a million voices to work in animation. You just have to make those words come to life. Wow. Like you have to do on stage or on camera. So I do, I'll, I, have a, I have a happy days question. I don't know if you've ever been asked. Go ahead. When you guys first started, yeah. And this was a Gary Marshall thing. Odd Couple started as a single camera sitcom. Yes. And then it was multi-cam. Happy yes. Day started as a single camera. Yes. What, what was the thought process to, to go multi-cam? I'll what tell was you exactly one word. Cancellation. Oh, that'll do it. We were almost canceled. And Gary said, I, I have an idea. Let me try multi-cam. <laughs> and they said yes. And we then took off like a rocket. And so what changed as far as the technique, the characters? Because I remember it was actually before you did one episode, I think the second season, when it was still doing single cam as a multi-cam, almost like a pilot multi-cam try. And it was like, you'd always done it. But this- but You know what, I'll tell you what was amazing. What was amazing is that uh, Donnie Most uh, was from the East in the theater. I was from the East in the theater. Ba uh, Tom Bosley was from the East and had won a Tony in the theater. Ron Howard was only film. Interesting. And I'm telling you, the first time we did it in front of a live audience, that young man at 18, Ron Howard, took to it like a duck to water. It was seamless. Wow that he went from acting in front of a camera to acting in front of a camera for an audience. I, it was stunning. And then wow. we became this couple 
this this um, acting team. The, I'm telling you, there was like this invisible thread between us. Wow. We could take, you know, like uh, after the show is over, 12 o'clock at night, Friday night, you're tired, but now we're rewriting the actor, the, the writers are rewriting because what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Ron Howard and I could take a scene, we could rehearse it, memorize it, and shoot it three times in 20 minutes because I, there was something completely unspoken. He went where I went. I went where he went. It, I, I never got wow. over it. It's called chemistry. And by the way, yeah. he, he may not have ever done theater, but I think for any actor, once you experience what it's like to get that audience response, it's like it's like a drug, you know? Yeah, you, but you have to wait for the audience, remember? Really? You know, you can't laugh. You can't say your line through the laugh. They miss the joke. He was such it, a pro. It, it was astounding how... Um, how uh, adaptable he was at that moment. You know, he was scared out of his mind, which I only learned later. Was he, he really? Was yeah, he, really? He, he didn't show anything like that. Yeah. He was petrified. Wow. And he'd been in the business forever. But only on film. Wow, that's really amazing. That's that's yeah. quite a story. Hey, earlier uh, Bob brought up Tom Hanks, and and it's hard to let that one just fly by. I know that he was on Happy Days. Did yes. you did you have an inkling at that time, like, wow, this guy is something else, or or or, or not? You know what? It, it, you you there were so many actors who came through for the two hundred and fifty five episodes that we did, yeah. and so many went on, and some just didn't know how to perpetuate their their um, spirit into the universe. Right. Tom was great. He was powerful. Robin Williams. Oh, Robin yeah. Williams, remember now we rehearsed Monday through Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Get into makeup, get into costume, do an afternoon show, get notes and then shoot it for real. Right. By Wednesday, we didn't have a morgue. So somebody wow. was reading, you know, his lines. Oh, yeah, right. Bobby Hoffman mm-hmm. brought Robin Williams right. about 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. And this very shy man said very little. Hi, how are you? You know, just made noises. He picked up a script. And it was like... I don't know, a bomb went off. Wow. You know, like you were just pushed back in your space. And I realized, I mean, I've said this before, but I realized at that moment, I had two jobs that week. Remember your lines and get out of his way because there is no way you're going to even compete with this brilliance in front of you. And I want a moment to have witnessed. There's a lot on the cutting room floor that we never saw because you got he because he he was just he would regurgitate brilliance that you can't do in 22 That's exactly minutes. right as a matter of fact it's so funny we had three cameramen when we did our show there were not four or five cameras at that time so multi-cam was three cameras and these cameramen were like at the beginning of film sam you know, Louie, they sat on that camera. And when they did, when they finally did uh, uh, Robin Williams' own show, 
you know, he, as, as you said, he just improvised. You, you didn't stop him. And so Gary said, everybody good? And Sam said, he never came by me. He never <laughs> went by my camera. And they added the fourth camera, which was only for Robin. Oh, wow. wow. That's amazing. We, we had Anson Williams on the show, and he said that, that the writers literally followed him while he was going. Like, they were just writing like crazy when Robin yeah, And was also, there. let me just say, eventually, our script, a half an hour script was, I think, 54 pages. Their script was 30 pages on Mork and Mindy. And the reason was that it said, Robin will do something here. Oh, my wow. gosh. That's wow. incredible. Hey, you know what? I, I, I got I to gotta throw this out because we're going to have fans watching this and stuff. Tell me with the whole, you know, A or whatever, was that, was that your like, did you come up with that? Because I had heard that you wanted, to, you had your own vision of like Fonz. You didn't let him comb his hair. You kind of, you know. Well, you know what? That, that, the, the story of not combing my hair is that I didn't want to be like every actor that ever played a character like the Fonz. Right. So um, they said, oh, you have to go to the mirror and comb your hair. And I went, oh, my God, I made a promise to myself I would never comb my hair. And I went to the mirror and I went, hey, look at that. I don't have to because it's perfect. But A, they wrote that, the sound, but I used it differently because I could reduce an entire paragraph to just the sound. And then eventually, um, horseback riding was my favorite sport at the time. Wow. Uh, I added, whoa. <laughs> oh, my hey, God. Whoa, get over here. Whoa, hey, whoa, where are you going? You know, Paula, get over here. <laughs> but Sorry. the voice comes back, Henry. The voice oh, comes back. Oh, it does. It does. It does. Listen, it does. I love him. I love him. You know how, how wonderful he is? He has read my new book. I'll bet he has. Yes. And, and oh, he's given me notes. Good. And uh, he liked it a lot. He laughed. He said, it's when, Hollywood versus the galaxy. When does the book come out? It yes. came out just a few days ago. Oh, it did? Okay. And I have to say, uh, with no modesty whatsoever, I think it would be a great holiday gift. There you go. Third grade right. to seventh grade. It's a wonderful pitch. Why? How can you not enjoy that? Hey, yeah. Henry, I had another question for you. Bob and I, we we had uh, we did a Happy Days episode where we were just talked. Then we we also had Anson uh, Williams on, and the jumping the shark is is it true that uh, you actually were a water skier yourself? Yes, I, I was a water skier. I was uh, a counselor in camp, a water ski counselor. So I did all the water skiing except wow. for jumping the shark when they brought in uh, a real stunt person from Florida. And you'll notice if you watch the episode again, I let go of the rope and I pulled up on the beach and yeah. stepped out onto the sand. Yeah. yeah. And then I smiled. So mm -hmm. half the smile is the Fonz going, hey, I made it. The other half is Henry going, oh my God, I made it. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I got a non-happy days question. I don't even know if you've talked about this in a while either, but when I was a teenager, first of all, I wore a prosthesis. I was born without a foot. 
And every time there would be something on TV with kids who have overcome whatever, my mom and dad would make me watch it just as a, hey, you're not alone sort of thing. Right. You, you did a documentary, I think it was called The DeBolts. That's right. Who are The DeBolts and where did they get 19 kids? Henry made such an impact on me. I wrote a paper on it in junior high because wow. it was so lovely. And it was so, how did you get involved with that? I'll tell you. Um, it was first uh, a documentary in the movies. And it won, uh, I think it won an Oscar, but wow. they couldn't get it on television. And Charlie Hayde, uh, who was a, a friend of mine, uh, who was on Hill Street Blues as oh, one yeah. of the cops, mm -hmm. he came and he said, can you help get this on TV? I went to a party with all of the presidents. Uh, I think it was like an affiliates party where the owners of stations from all over the country come and all the presidents of ABC were there. Mm -hmm. And I went to each one of the presidents and I made the pitch, hey, I'll narrate it. How about if we put it on because it just won an Oscar and it's mind blowing. They came back, Tony Thermopolis, who was one of the presidents at the time, came back and they said, yes, we'll do it and we'll put it on Thanksgiving Day. I thought, oh my God, I don't know if anybody's gonna watch it. Wow. So I went to, excuse me, Paul Newman, Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, John Ritter, and said, watch this. I'm gonna do it and it's 72 minutes. If you don't agree with me, forget it. If you do, will you make a television commercial for me for this documentary? They all said yes. Did you know them all? Like no, you were asking them? I knew John Ritter. John Ritter was my very good friend. Right. Okay, sure. But I wanna tell you something. When you went and you talked to Paul Newman, who was like a gigantic movie star at Huge. the time and a race car driver and just, when you went and talked to him and he looked at you in the eye, you did you could not look away, even if you wanted to, wow. until he looked away. And then it was like you were in like a beam of like, I don't know what, some wow. outer space. Zzz. Then of course I went on to uh, to direct Burt Reynolds in a movie, uh, Cop and a Half. Oh yeah. Which was an experience all of its own. And then I stood behind Clint Eastwood and no one could see me. It was like I was hidden by a curtain of human <laughs> being. He was He's so tall, huh? And wide. Wow, that's wow. something. Okay, come on, you can't drop that cop and a half bit and say that's a story all on its own. What was that like working with Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds was very tough. And Burt Reynolds wanted to be in control. So we flew to Florida, we're gonna film it in Tampa because that was good for Burt. I'm at his house for a party the night before with the crew, the cast, his friend who is the head of stunts. He comes walking down his stairs and he stops in the middle of the, of the stairway and he goes, I just got off the phone with Ron Howard. He said, I can fire you anytime. I oh. said, Bert, 
Let me know right away. I got another film lined up. I, I'll, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I spent uh, uh, 65 days directing Burt Reynolds and a seven-year-old uh, who had never done a film before wow. uh, in Cop and a Half. And it opened uh, number one. Oh, wow. that's so cool. Wow. That's, that's so great. Is Hey, we asked, I asked earlier, I mentioned the video camera. I got to know, and maybe it's a personal thing, but what do you do with all of I mean, you, you said that you were, you always had it with you. And Anson Williams said that if it wasn't for you, you wouldn't have all the softball footage. They wouldn't have all, all of that if it wasn't for you. Do you know what? Um, somebody is doing a documentary on Night Shift, which was Ron Howard's first movie yeah. uh, for a major studio. And I took home movies, but at that time it wasn't tape. It was eight millimeter film oh, with wow. sound, with a little soundtrack. Wow. So I have Ron Howard directing me through the camera. Oh, wow. And I, I said, hey, Ron, um, uh, did you like that take? And he said to me, well, if you did it this way, I'd probably print it. And I went, oh, got it. <laughs> so I went back to the original, you know, but I, I gave the footage to the documentary maker. Do you have like Some boxes of this? I mean, I do. I have boxes of uh, cassettes and um, they're upstairs somewhere. And wow. some of them, the children's uh, movies, I have sent. What is that? Um, um, the thing that, that advertises, send in your, your tape and we'll put them on, um, we'll put them on DVD yeah, in a box, yeah. a leg legacy box. Yes. I have sent yes. them to legacy, legacy box and I've gotten back CDs that I watch with my children sometimes. Didn't you have, didn't have a, a little bit of spilches when you send it away, hoping it's going to come back? I know. I was thinking the same I thing. I do, but they have been so far, they've been really good. Oh, okay, good. All right. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Hey, yeah. um, did uh, maybe, I maybe because I've mentioned them, they won't charge me a fortune. Now. Hey, there you go. Free <laughs> I'll make sure to send this to them. Um, <laughs> hey, the other one that I've heard is Marion Ross. I heard that you and her are like I know you're close with the cast, but I heard you're very close with her. I'm is taking her to lunch uh, next week. She just turned 93, I think. She's yeah, amazing. Yeah. She just blows oh me away. Oh, my God. She's one of the great women mm -hmm. of the 21st century. And I will tell you that she was funny. Her talent, limitless. She could do, like John Ritter, she could do comedy. She could do drama. It didn't matter. And she was perfect at both. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's a good friend. She is a supportive friend. Every time I do something and she sees it or hears about it, she calls me up and lets me know. And we're having an Italian lunch um, next week. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. I, that's somebody I have to say, Bob, we have to talk. I, I think Marion would be amazing to have on this Oh, show. you would love her so much. Wow. She's wow. She's got a body sense of humor. She's she was a neighbor of mine. I don't know if she, I'm in Woodland Hills. I don't know if she's still in this neighborhood. Yes, she is. But I used to see her all the time, and she was. She reminded me a lot of Florence Henderson. Both yeah. of them have, have well, we have one. But and Bob, Betty, Betty White, and Betty White. I mean, that oh, they are like you should. Mrs. Cunningham shouldn't talk like this. Mrs. Brady shouldn't talk <laughs> like this. No, but Florence and Marion do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, oh, that's that's amazing. And, and her son Jim is one of the most brilliant voice talents. Great, 
great guy, great guy, funny guy. Yeah. Jim Meskerman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 sorry, I'm gonna always go back because I, I got to know these things. But when you did Lords of Flatbush, of course, you work with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Another thing I had read is that when you did Fonzie, you, uh, it, you were inspired by him. Is that is in that the true? beginning? I would think, I would see him in my mind, because here was an exterior that was so tough. And he talked like this, you know, and you, and he didn't take anything from anybody. He would look at people filming us on the street of Brooklyn. He would say, what are you looking at? I'm going to eat you for lunch. <laughs> and inside, he was so funny, dry, funny, and a writer. He never stopped writing. He painted his windows, sliced alone, in New York City, black. So he would never be influenced by what time of day he sat down at his uh, typewriter. Wow. Oh my God, oh my God. So now he is driven out to California with Sasha, his first wife, and their bull mastiff, who there was so much slobber from this dog <laughs> that the back seat, you needed fins and a mask. <laughs> His car breaks down on Sunset Boulevard. He calls me up. I go and I pick him up. I pick up and we pack everything that he owns, his dog and his beautiful first wife into the car. And I drive them to their apartment off of Sunset Boulevard in one of those complexes. Oh, wow. So now he calls me, he said, I have a script. I take his script to ABC. Now, you know, uh, Happy Days is pretty popular. The Fonz is popular. Uh, I have a little cachet. They go, all right, we're going to buy the script. But we're going to ask for a new writer. Oh, my go God. Go back to Sly. I say, Sly, the good news is they're buying the script. The bad news is they want a new writer. He said, Henry, don't do this to me. Don't let them do this to me. It's my script. I went back to ABC. I said, I know, I know. Here is all the money. I need the script back. They said, we don't do that. I said, I know, I know. Here's the money. I need the script back. They said, okay. I give Sly his script back. A year and a half later, Rocky comes out. Whoa, that's an amazing story. I had no idea you had done that. That's really cool. It was so cool. And I'm so happy that I had the presence of mind. And but I, I you, when you know Sly, you just know the depth of his talent. Wow. So also, I, you know also, what? It's not fair. It is nobody back. should write this manuscript. His passion for his work, his passion for what, look, you, you can't put a dollar sign on that. This goes yeah. back to what I said about owning the room when you're auditioning. You're exactly got, right. That's what this is all about. It's not about, mm -hmm. look, I got, I got a house in Bel Air because I'm a successful actor. You get a high at a 99-seat little black box theater, much more than you're going to get a high because look what I can afford as an actor. But my gosh, I've heard him talk about, not that story, I've never heard that version of it, but what no, I have heard, amazing. how he put his blood into that writing that script and he'd never really written anything before had he 
Well, no, he had not. He hadn't anything uh, produced before. Okay. But he wrote and wrote and wrote and okay. wrote. By the uh, way, it's 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 little league time. Yeah. I think it is little league time. We got to let well, you. One, wait, no, I, wait one second, Henry. I can't let you go without because I know how much you've done for dyslexia and and all of that and. I, I, I think we, we should end on that on, on that note because I want to give you that that platform. All right, what, then I'll say um, this. I will yeah, say go. this to, first of all, to any young person who is listening, mm -hmm. I will say how you learn has nothing to do with how brilliant you are. Mm -hmm. That your grades in school will not in any way inhibit you meeting your destiny if you work on yourself, train yourself, and your tenacity keeps plowing through to get you where you wanna to go. To the parents, your child learns differently. It is wiring in their mind, it's hereditary. They are not being the way they are because they wanna be idiots. They don't wanna make a problem. It's the way they are living. And believe me, they know your job is to support them every single minute of every day they're awake. They're going to say to you, oh, you have to say that you're my parent. Oh, I, you know what? They hear every positive word you say to them and they need it to breathe. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm so glad glad to hear that. Did your dad, by the way, come around in the end? Uh, you know, I know that no. I read that. Oh, no. no. No, I was a different father because now my parents escaped Nazi Germany. Sure. They gave me a good education. I, you know, I lived in a in a in a, a roof over my head and ate and went to college. And so I'm grateful. But as human beings, they never got me. And when they did, it was too late. I didn't care anymore because I figured it out on myself. And I promised that I would be a completely different parent. Uh, so I learned from that. Wow. Oh, you're awesome, Henry. Wow. Well, what a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, thank you, buddy. It has thank been so, such a pleasure. Please enjoy your, your grandson's game. And thank you so much for being here. Thank meant you. A lot Thanks for asking. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Take care, Henry. Bye-bye. Take care, man. Bye. Hey, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button in the corner of the video so that you don't miss any of our future YouTube podcasts. Also, Follow us on iTunes and Spotify and leave us a review.